0: what, I love that we serve a speaking God, don't we? Um, And God's already set up um, what I want to speak about today through the word, through some of the songs that we've been singing. Um, I grew up in South Wales Valley. I've actually lived in Manchester now longer than South Wales Valleys, but would you be able to tell by my accent? What, that I'm Mancunian more than Welsh, I'm all of the above. I'll have to go proper Welsh now then, but you won't be able to understand me. Um, I love it when people say, oh where part Wales are you from? I'm like, yes you still know I'm Welsh, it's still in there. Um, so I lived um, in a town called Merthyr Tidville. At the back of my house um, were the Brecon Beacons, which is the second biggest mountain range in Wales and down the front not my garden but 10 minutes walk was a river okay and it was called the river taff and the river taff started off in the brecon beacons and it flows all the way down to cardiff right out into sea into the estuary uh, and down there and my older brother and i would spend a lot of time in our childhood um, playing up in the mountain Um, we'd build dens uh, in the ferns we'd clamber over rocks And we'd find really interesting creatures and slimy things to take home to my much-delighted mum in her kitchen. Um, In the summers, we'd end up building dams down the river, you know, deep enough for us to actually swim in. We'd go camping, not... Now, is Koffel here? Or has he disappeared? I know how how much Koffel loves camping, all right? But this kind of camping was even in uh, Coffo's mind, would be worse than normal camping, because it was wild camping, which basically meant there's no toilets. right? There's nothing. You find a a field and you pitch your tent. Um, What I used to do there as a youngster, as a youth, used to build fires, but obviously be very careful. And Rules have changed with regards to wild camping now, so you must check before you pitch your tent and get that in. Um, We would play at Fox and Hound up in the mountain. If you don't know what there is, it's just a big kind of hide-and-seek, I've even got a scar from that, um, you know, because you wouldn't be able to see anything in front of you. You know, there was a sense of adventure in my childhood and in my youth. There was a sense of freedom that took place, which interestingly, generally took place at the mountain or down the valley in the river. I grew up surrounded by creation. And, you know, as a 15, 16-year-old, was, there was nothing, nothing really in the town. There wasn't even a cinema, for crying out loud. We had one McDonald's, uh, and that was it. Um, it's a lot better now. Um, but there was, that was it, and I didn't appreciate it. You know, I could walk up probably 10 minutes away, and I'd be able to look in the night sky and see the stars, like actually see the stars. It was amazing, you know. It was majestic, there was no light pollution or very little. I know it's really fascinating to me, even today, that, you know, this is one of the main ways God gets my attention or speaks to me. It's through creation. It's through his creation. And, you know, creation plays such a big part in God's story, doesn't it? It's there in the beginning, all the way through the Bible and all at the end. You know... And it's something that we shouldn't take for granted. And we can learn so much about God and about ourselves through his creation, through seasons. And the Bible is littered with creation, natural imagery or symbolism. Think about what we actually sang about today. Light, darkness, rivers, water came through in the prophetic word. You know, sand, the stars the trees, how many scriptures spring to mind, they're all involved, creation, and what that reveals to us about God. And I'm going to focus um, this morning on a story about a river. Kalani took a mick out with me this on uh, Friday. He's like, if anybody's going to preach in Ezekiel, it would be Rian. Okay, so I'm going to focus. We probably know it, the story, if we know our Old Testament But living in the presence. I'm going to talk to us about living in the presence of God. Um, And this is going to tie in with the prophetic word that came this morning. This will tie in with some of the songs that we sang this morning. So let's turn to Ezekiel 47 and I'm going to read from verse 1 to 12. The man brought me back to the entrance to the temple and I saw water coming out from under the threshold of the temple toward the east, for the temple faced east. The water was coming down from under the south side of the temple, south of the altar. He then brought me out through the north gate and led me around the outside to the outer gate facing east. And the water was trickling from the south side. As the man went eastward with a measuring line in his hand, he measured off a thousand cubits. then led me through the water that was ankle deep, When I arrived there, I saw a great number of trees on each side of the river. He said to me, this water flows toward the eastern region and goes down into the Araba, where it enters the Dead Sea. When it empties into the sea, the salty water there becomes fresh. Swarms of living creatures will live wherever the river flows. There will be a large number of fish because this water flows there and makes the salt water fresh. So where the river flows, everything will live. Fishermen will stand along the shore from Engedi to En where there will be places for spreading nets. The fish will be of many kinds, like fish of the Mediterranean Sea. But the swamps and marshes will not become fresh, they will, they will be left for salt. Fruit trees of all kinds will grow on both banks of the river. Their leaves will not wither, nor will their fruit fail. Every month they will bear fruit, because the water from the sanctuary flows to them. Their fruit will serve for food and their leaves for healing. So the river that we see mentioned here is very similar to the one that we see mentioned in Revelation 22, verse 1 and 2. And both of these rivers are associated with the river in the Garden of Eden, okay, which we see in Genesis 2, verse 10. And the river symbolizes life from God. The river symbolizes God's presence in our life. The river symbolizes the blessing of God that flows from the throne of the Almighty. You know, verse 1 tells us about how the man, or Ezekiel's guide, as he's often referred to, brought Ezekiel back to the entrance to the temple. And how Ezekiel saw water flow from there. You know, I find it really significant and interesting here that this river is flowing from the temple. It's not flowing from a king's palace. It's not flowing from a government building. It's not flowing from a marketplace. It's not flowing from a place of education, um, an athletic stadium, a, a music concert. It is flowing from the temple of the Lord. It flows and it comes from God's house. In the natural, rivers, you know, for the most part, start from mountaintops or at the very least some kind of high point. And mountains in the Bible are often associated with being close to God. You know, uh, those times in our life where we we have that distinct kind of feeling and God, you're really here right now. You're with me. I feel your presence. Everything's going well. Everything's good. We're on a high and we're feeling the presence of God. And and life is looking good. This fruit that we see, oh, this is going good in my life. Look at my career. I'm getting getting promotion. My family life is great. I'm hearing from God. Those are the kind of mountaintop moments that we can experience. And if we think about it, even in, in the Bible, we see this happen. You know, when men of God experience God on the mountaintop, the Ten Commandments in Exodus 19, you know, the receiving of a, uh, um, sorry, uh, the transfiguration in Matthew 17. Now they feel like really potent, kind of important times in our lives. God is doing something new, something fresh through us. And it's really interesting that in these moments, those, what I'm going to refer to as mountaintop moments, That God births something new in us. I'm not suggesting that that's the only time that he births something new in us. But there is something significant about those mountaintop moments and God doing something fresh and new in our lives. It is in these mountaintop encounters that we become more aware of his presence. There is a leaning into God There's a breathing in of his spirit. There is an awareness of him. Maybe we've become more sensitive to his spirit, sensitive to what he's saying to us. But here's an interesting, a kind of interesting thought, maybe an oxymoron of sorts. But I believe we can also have mountaintop moments when we're in the valley. We can have mountaintop moments when we're in the valley. You know, you look at the testing of Abraham in Genesis 22, okay? Um, Abraham and Sarah have been praying to God for a child for years and years and years and years. They're getting old, they're losing hope, and then God says, here's a child, and they have their son, Isaac. And then one day, God says to Abraham, you're going to take your son and you're going to climb up the mountain and you're going to sacrifice him for me. And Abraham was like, what? <laughs> what now? You know, you gave me this child. You gave me this promise. This is you. But God, what, what, what what's going on? But he obeyed. He took his son up the mountain willing to sacrifice him and just to make it clear if we don't know the story when I say sacrifice I do mean kill him because that's what God had told him to do okay but when he got up there God turned around and said you're all right Abraham you're all right here's a lamb for you to sacrifice instead And then he speaks a promise of blessing over Abraham's life that impacts us, I believe, even today. In Genesis 22, verse 18, it says, all the nations of the earth will be blessed, all because you have obeyed me. Obeyed me. Some of you will be aware that nine years uh, ago, Um, our little girl died when I was 30 weeks pregnant with her, um, and our lives shattered in one minute. One minute, that's all it was. It was the most difficult thing I have ever, ever had to go through up to this time in my life. I felt that I had let James, my husband, down. I felt like I had left my other two children down. the rest of the extended family, I was angry, I was frustrated, and I blamed God. I was like, why, what, what, what's that, why did you let that happen? And I'm sure there's lots of circumstances in our lives that we can, we can say we felt like that. But I remember one morning, there was chaos going on in the house, I know that for a fact, I think, Alyssa was only 18 months, um, Lucas was four years, That they were just being kids. But I remember sitting in the bathroom Your mums know what that's like. Lock the door because it's the only peace and quiet you might get. (laughs) But I remember sitting on the side of the bath one morning. And I was. I was ranting at God. I was ranting at him and saying, why me? Why have you done this to us? We've been faithful. You asked us to do that and we did it. We did this. You said this. and My heart was broken. But in that very real valley moment in my life, a mountaintop moment came. And I felt the very heavy presence of the Holy Spirit wrap his arms around me. I felt sheltered. I felt protected in a way I'd never felt before. And I remember him saying to me, it's going to be okay. That's all it was. It's going to be okay. It's going to be Okay. Just to cut a long story quite short, following on that, kind of, uh, that, that moment, I experienced another two late miscarriages, which were quite horrific. After the second one, I had a rant again at God. You said to me, it was going to be okay, but this has happened. God, something's got to shift. And he just dropped in my heart, Amos. I was like, Amos. Amos? Amos? Have you read the book of Amos? Amos is a prophet, right? He is, he's awesome. But the book of Amos is just about God's people, yet again, not listening to what God is telling them to do and just not just doing their own thing. I'm like, but why are you telling me Amos? So I look up the Amos and the name Amos means carried by God. And that there was another mountaintop moment for me. I was like, fine. I'm holding on to that. You said it's going to be okay. And now you've said that my child will be carried by you. I didn't know I was pregnant um, at that point when he spoke to me, but I was. We now have three children. Um, Our youngest is Theo Amos Bagley. Uh, He's now five. And he is our miracle child. Um, And that is the blessing of God in our lives. It is. It is that I experienced a mountaintop moment in a very, very real valley moment. The river of life that flows from the house of the temple is a gentle, safe, and deep river. No matter if you're on the mountain top or valley, the river of life, it flows, okay? It's constantly moving. Is constantly growing. It's vibrant and it's exciting. It's deep and it's all-encompassing. It's ever-present, but it's entirely up to us how and when we access it. You know, Ezekiel 47, verse 3 to 6, it tells us, doesn't it, that he led me through the water that was ankle-deep, knee-deep, waist deep and then it got so deep he couldn't touch the floor anymore his feet wouldn't go so he had to swim it was too deep and the scripture doesn't say as the man went eastward I watched the water get deeper Ezekiel was led through the water the river wasn't something for him just to look at and say oh this pretty look at that look at the pretty river doesn't it look lovely look at the flow, look at the little, the little rapids kind of popping up here and there. No, it was something for him to enter into. It was something for him to experience himself. Not to observe. Yes, it may have been cold. It may have felt uncomfortable at times, you know, and And Ezekiel might have felt silly or maybe frightened as he entered into the river of life or entered into the presence of God. And that might be the case for some of us this morning. Some of us, we may just be watching the river of God in our lives rather than stepping into it. Some of us may be sitting on the banks of the river and we just dip our toes in. That's enough. See you till next week. Maybe some of us like to step in and out of the river, step in and out of his presence. We'll jump in when it pleases us, when we see the benefit for us, when we can get something out of it. But as soon as it starts to get a little deeper, maybe our feet can't quite touch the floor anymore and we are not in control, we scramble out and we sit on the riverside and we flirt with the presence of God. Maybe we cherry pick what we think the good bits are. We don't fully commit. You know, full commitment requires sacrifice. You saw that with Abraham. Yeah? Full commitment requires change. And change at times, a lot of the time, it's hard work. It can be hard work. Now, think back again to Abraham, that internal fight he must have been having with himself, you know, and God. When God told him to, to sacrifice Isaac, you know, what would have happened if Abraham actually was halfway up the mountain taking his son up and he said, no, nah, don't think so, God, off we go back down. And he ignored what God had said to him. I know I want to turn that thought a little bit. What would happen if we listened to God and obeyed him? What would happen if we stopped flirting with the presence of God and committed to him wholeheartedly? What would happen if we said yes to serving when we were asked to? What would happen if we, spent, if we stopped spending time with those people who deep down we know they're they're not good for us. What would happen if, we were singing it earlier, when we walked, when we walk into the room, because the spirit of Jesus Christ is in us, he has given us the same power, the resurrected him through his Holy Spirit, he has given us this same power. When you walk into the room, what would happen if sickness started to vanish? What would happen if when you walk into the room, because you're walking and living in the life of the Holy Spirit, every hopeless situation ceased to exist? What would happen if when you walked into the room, because you're listening to to the Spirit of Jesus, to the Holy Spirit, what would happen if when you walked into the room, the dead began to rise? What would happen if we lived our life in the river of God and there's his presence to the extent that all around us we see resurrection power day in, day out? Because that's what he's calling us to imagine because that's what he's told us in his word will happen. He's promised us that. It's there for the taking. So all we have to do is take it. So the scripture goes on to talk about how the water flows down into the region. And it, it ends up, swarms of living creatures will live wherever the river flows. There will be large numbers of fish because the water flows there and makes the salt water fresh. So where the river flows, everything will live. The Jordan Valley, apparently, I didn't know this, obviously I have to look this up, is the geological depression in which the Dead Sea lives. The Dead Sea is, if, we, if you don't know, a body of water so salty that nothing can live in it. Nothing at all can live in it. And these verses tell us that the river will freshen the Dead Sea's water so it can support life. Things that are dead come alive in the Spirit of God. Things that are broken Come alive in the spirit of God. And this is another picture of the life-giving nature of the water that flows from God's temple. God's power can transform us no matter how lifeless or corrupt we might be. Even when we feel messed up and beyond hope. His power can heal us. And this scripture points us back to Genesis and God's ultimate plan, which is to restore all humanity and all creation back to his life-giving presence. You know, we look around us, don't we, in, in, in the world, you just look at the news. If I was to say to you, look at the news right now, you know, there'd be about 10 stories of, you know death destruction war poverty disease and you can be standing there thinking god god what's going on god what what you know even creation is crying out floods wildfires you know hurricanes big storms again and again and again our world is broken but god's ultimate plan is to restore all humanity and all creation. And he chooses us to be part of that story. He chooses us to partner with him and bind the brokenhearted and set the captives free. You know, there are times in the natural where the river is fast flowing, big rapids, it's really fast pace. And and then other times when it looks so still, barely moving. We need to understand the movements of God's presence in our own lives in order that we don't miss something. We need to know his presence so closely that when he tells us to pray for a colleague, we're not sitting still in his presence that's fast moving and miss the moment. We need to know his presence so intimately that when he tells us to pause, to rest, to drink him in, we're not rushing around, you know, with our own agendas, ticking off our to-do lists, you know, really wanting to get our five to ten year plan in place, but we're wholeheartedly dependent on God and his plan for our lives. I just believe right now there's people you're considering next steps with regards to where, where to move, something to do with job, maybe education, And God is just saying, just sit still right now and ask me. Just sit still and ask me. When we are swimming in the presence of God, we allow his current to guide us and to shape us. His presence moves us and enables us to live in the overflow of his presence. And when we live from this place, that is when we will see salvation. When we live from that place, that's when we'll see healings. That's when we'll see signs and miracles and we will see restoration across our city. We really are on a precipice of, I was trying to think of the right word for this, but I couldn't. And the best one I could come up with was something weighty there is a presence of God that is hovering across this city, across Greater Manchester. You know, uh, on the Wednesday evening, um, a few of us were at the Greater Manchester Prayer Gathering. And you know, that's lots of different churches from across the city crying out to God. And what we prayed for on Wednesday was basically an outpouring of the Spirit of God across this city. Because this city and this nation needs to change. And the only way we're going to see change is when this presence of God falls. And when we see revival, we see hearts turn to Jesus. And we prayed for, for a longing to start to, to rise up in God's church. A burden for God to move an unsatisfied hunger, a desire crying out to God when we're in the workplace and we see in situations, we say to God, God, would you move? This isn't what it's supposed to be like. God, would you move in your power? Would you have your way? Let your kingdom come, God. And in that moment, because he sees your heart, he'll say, yep, off you go. Speak, Jesus. Be me. And he'll empower you to do it. He'll empower you to do it. (sighs) You know, and that's his call to us this morning. That's his call to us this morning. I dare you to jump into my presence, he's saying. I dare you. Don't just jump in this morning and climb back out and forget about it. Until maybe connect. And then jump back in on connect nights. Jump back out. And then we'll jump back in next. No. We will not see a city changed for him if that's how we're living our lives. There needs to be a shift in our focus. That there's moments in our day where we just say, Jesus, use me right now. Use me right now. And he'll use you. He'll use you in the universities. He'll use you in the supermarkets. He'll use you at the bus stop. He'll use you in the office. He'll use you on the team's call that you have if you're working from home. He'll use you at the school gates as you drop your kids off. If you are willing, he will use you. Can the worship team come back up, please? Please. Verse 10 to verse 12 says fishermen will stand along the shore. The fish will be of many kinds like the fish of the Mediterranean Sea. But the swamps and marshes will not become fresh. They will be left for salt. Fruit trees of all kinds will grow on both banks of the river. Their leaves will not wither nor will their fruit fail. Every month, every month they will bear fruit. They will bear fruit. They will bear goodness. Because the water from the sanctuary flows to them, their fruit will serve for God and their leaves for healing. When we choose to live life in the presence of God, it impacts and changes the atmosphere around us. In the natural, we would see death, destruction. But through the miraculous life of God that flows from us and in us, we see and experience Healing. Wholeness. Restoration. And this isn't something that happens once in a while. You know, sometimes when we're called, you know, anybody got a testament? You're scrabbling in your head, trying to think of, oh, when was the last time I prayed for something and I saw God move? No, it becomes who we are. It's part of our genetic DNA. You know, the supernatural, miraculous power of God becomes something that we live in and live out of every day. We have been called as children of God to reflect Him, to display Him at every opportunity that we have, not to hide away from Him and only mention Him when we feel comfortable but to wholeheartedly lay down our lives for him, to live in the river of life, in his presence, whether we're on the mountaintop or in the valley. The river of life flows, and it flows this morning. And it doesn't just flow for this moment. It flows to build us up, to fill us up so we can go out and flow in the presence of God in our broken world. And you know what? Whether we're on the mountain top or the valley, the river of life always produces fruit. You know, we've already heard this morning how God wants to unblock things in our lives, to allow his spirit to flow so that we can flow through our family, through our city, so we can impact all situations around us. I believe he has unblocked this morning. but For some of us, there are things that we need to lay down. We need to stop flirting with the presence of God. We need to stop thinking that I'll get my fix on a Sunday, and that's enough. It's not what the Bible tells us more for us there is more for us as King's Church there's more for us as the church across greater Manchester we're just going to sing a song together just to end and I only want you to stand and sing this if you really mean business with God this morning don't just stand if you think yeah I'm just going to sing this and that will be it because God sees your heart and when a guy starts singing maybe don't just stand because you you don't know what song it is yet, you don't know what I'm asking you to stand for just let the guys minister for you know one, one of the verses and as the spirit of God starts moving in you then it can decide, yeah God this is real this is it God I'm in, I'm in wholeheartedly you know, dare you to dive bomb into the presence of God this morning, just go for it, go for it and let his presence guide you let his presence wash over you yeah Sometimes it does feel scary because you haven't got a clue what's going on, but you trust in the presence of the Almighty.